Welcome to the Dental Implant Podcast with your host, Pav Kara, your source of knowledge for all things relating to dental implants. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I hope you learned something valuable. I hope. So welcome back to the next episode of the Dental Implant Podcast. Um, I am excited today to have... Uh, an old friend of mine, a, a one that I recently reconnected with, uh, Chris Barrow. Uh, if you don't know who Chris Barrow is, I don't think you're in dentistry. So, uh, I, I don't think I don't think Chris really needs. I don't think you need much of an introduction. Um, Chris, we've known each other for quite a few years now, haven't we? Um, and I think most people know you as a dental coach. But if you could just very briefly summarize and just. A few words uh, uh, for those who maybe the, the, the two or three dentists who haven't heard of you in the UK. Just introduce yourself, please. Pav, thank you, and, and and first of all, thank you for the invitation onto the podcast. And uh, uh, because, uh, as you know, I I uh, I have been a podcast uh, interviewer for many many years, and uh, it's actually really nice to be on the other side and uh, to, to have somebody interviewing you for a change, um, and. Um, uh, you know, the, the, uh, for anybody that, that is wondering who the hell this guy is, um, I, I'll do my kind of standard introduction, which is that uh, all that you need to know about me is that, number one, I'm not a dentist, um, so there's no point in asking me anything about teeth or gums. Um, although, frankly, you could probably say that about most dental school graduates at the moment. <laughs> you did say nothing was off limits in this interview. but I did um, say I did. Uh, and uh, but I'm not a dentist, uh, but I'm very very blessed that 26 years ago um, I, I uh, uh, decided that I was going to work on uh, dental business coaching full time, uh, having spent probably about the last uh, the previous three or four years kind of uh, playing around with it along with other clients. I'd, I'd moved out of financial services and into what we now call business coaching uh, in the early 1990s, I should say. Um, The definition of a client back in those days was anybody who would have me. And uh, so I I had clients who were butchers, bakers, and candlestick makers. I had clients who were accountants, lawyers, and a few healthcare professionals as well. And um, the dental thing kind of happened by accident. It, It just happened fairly organically and uh, rather prophetically uh, given some of the stuff that we might talk about in this interview it was a business that grew via word of mouth um, so uh, I didn't I wasn't doing any proper advertising or marketing it was just that one dentist was telling another that this guy Chris Barrow had been quite helpful and uh, I was slowly but steadily growing a client base that included dentists from about 1990 through to uh, the mid-90s. And then interestingly, they do say that uh, they do say that luck is the meeting place of opportunity and preparation. And uh, there were two things that happened around about 95, 96. Uh, one of them, and it's something for which I am eternally grateful, um, is that I actually had a dental technician as a client who referred me to one of his clients, some dentist who I'd never heard of, called Dr. Paul Tipton. And uh, it turned out that Paul and I were actually neighbors. We lived about a mile away from each other. 
Um, and uh, he interviewed me and decided he was going to take me on as a business coach. And that was very um, brave of him, <laughs> I think you would say in those days. Uh, but the other thing that he did, and this was a real game changer, was that he asked me to start lecturing on his restorative courses. And this is 1996-7. Um, so I used to get the Friday afternoon slot um, after the delegates had had a few days of uh, Paul's stuff. And uh, uh, I'd get the fr fr two hours on a Friday afternoon to talk about marketing and customer service. And uh, that they, they were the first people that were really seriously sat in a room and listening to me. Um, and again, let's talk about word of mouth. One of the delegates on Paul Tipton's course uh, was actually the organiser of the FGDP for the West Midlands. And he said to me, uh, we're doing a Friday meeting and we'd like you to come along and speak the way you've done this. And I said, fine, okay. Uh, and he said, we, we've, got, uh, we've got David Cohen talking about Endo and we've got Phil Green talking about Perio and we'd like you to come on at the end and perhaps liven things up a bit. <laughs> and, uh, and so I said, fine, okay, and that'll be the end of it. And uh, I remember driving into the car park at the Motorcycle Museum, the NEC, and thinking, there's a lot of cars in this car park. And uh, I walked into the conference centre. There were 750 people in the room uh, <laughs> because the organiser hadn't told me that it wasn't a regional meeting. He was organising a flipping Midlands conference or something or other. So, of course, it's one of those moments where you've just got to get up there on stage and do it. And uh, I can't remember the date, to be honest, Pavi. You know, it's 96, 97-ish. And again, a turning point. And uh, th those two things, Tipton restorative courses and one FGDP meeting in the, in the Midlands were the springboard. And uh, here I still am, um, busier than I've ever been, um, celebrating my 70th birthday next year, uh, no intention of retiring for another 30 years, and <laughs> uh, absolutely smashing it in terms of work uh you know i've been so blessed uh in terms of the way that the business has ended up because as you know Pav, and we might get to talk of it there's, there's been a bit of a there's been a few ups and downs along the way it's yeah. certainly not been linear progress it's been a bit of a roller coaster uh but i'm touching what as as i'm saying it that that um, life is very good at the moment both professionally and personally and uh, isn't it all amazing down you can almost do a kind of a family tree down to those two yeah. events that yeah. got the whole yeah. thing going yeah i mean it's it, it, it is quite incredible kind of like where these where these opportunities uh, uh come up from um and you and i have known each other for quite a few years and uh, for those listening is uh chris and i had a very very quick brief before we started recording this and I said to Chris that there's no topics which are taboo. We're going to touch briefly kind of like on, you know, everybody's saying, oh, recession, recession. Um, uh, Chris has been through several of these during his uh, journey. Uh, his, I'm not calling you old, Chris, by the way. He's, he's seen this pattern several times. I realize as a scientist, say, that's going to come across wrong. I'm not deliberately calling yeah. you. But, so Chris is going to give some great insights into, uh, into kind of like what happens, because this is pattern. It happens time and time again. Yeah. And the other, th the other thing that I wanted to talk, 
want to talk to Chris about is um, communication, but more importantly, miscommunication. Because this happens in all aspects of life. It happens in implant dentistry. It happens everywhere. It ends up in... Uh, in upset patients, it can end up with upset um, family members. It can end up with upset staff members. I, I made a, an apology to a staff member yesterday because of the way that I behave. But for me, I didn't realize what I was doing at the time upset this person. It was only when it was pointed out to me, I was like, I can see that. I hold my hands up and I said, I'm sorry. So yeah. there's a couple of things that we're going to talk about. And what I would say is for those listening, I don't care where you are on the planet, whether you're connected to us or whether you are, um, you know, whether you're my men one of my mentees or anything is, and I'm sure Chris will back me up on this as well. A couple of these topics are going to be quite raw. And if you need somebody to speak to, you need a little bit of guidance, just a little bit of assurance, feel free to reach out to me. And I'm presuming Chris is going to, is going to say this, uh, the, the same as well. Um, because, uh, Chris and I were actually went through, um, uh, uh, quite similar paths over the past few years. So um, just to put, uh, just to give everybody a background, because I've obviously um, been open and honest um, uh, to people saying to them, I've been bankrupt before in the past. And, you know, at one point I was in such a bad state emotionally that, you know, I was, I was on suicide watch from, from my GP. And uh, Chris was actually my coach in my failing practice but it was kind of like trying to put a plaster on a dam which had already burst. Chris did his best, but it, it just, the practice was too far gone. Um, yeah. At the time, uh, uh, and I, I, it'll be interesting, Chris, because I'll get, I'll get your perception of this as well, because because uh, Chris and I have reconnected recently. Um, but basically, the way that things fizzled out with me and Chris, I felt that he wasn't really interested in, in, in me as a person. And this, allow me to say, was my perception of it, okay? Uh, I felt Chris wasn't interested in me, in me as a person. He was only interested in the business aspects of it. And once the business aspects had fizzled out, it was kind of like, that was it. And this was, I mean, this is, I a few years ago, Chris, I was at your house on, on, on Christmas Day, on Boxing Day, because I was in such a bad state on a personal uh, level that Chris was like, come around to my place. And I, I think it's really interesting to reflect upon the fact that um, yeah. you know, I, I, can, before we start this bit of the story, um, yes. you know, I, I'm, I, we're not looking for bloody Olympic medals here or anything. Oh, uh, cool. But uh, you know, in in our lives, we we occasionally are facing a situation where we feel that it's the appropriate thing to do to actually reach out and help somebody, and. Um, I can't remember what year it was, Pav, but and, and forgive my failing memory in terms of years, but basically we were in a situation where it was probably around about the same time of year as it is now. Um, yeah. I was working with Pav as a client. Um, <clears throat> he, 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 his business was basically a bit of a Titanic. Um, it was holed below the water and it was sinking. And, you know, no matter what you did, it was going to sink. And um, it was very clear to me that, that, that not only from a professional perspective, that, that this was affecting Pav from a personal perspective. And the subject of Christmas came up and, and it became clear to me that um, it, it, Pav was going to be doing a Mr. Bean impersonation with a cupcake and a silly hat and a teddy. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Well, actually, <laughs> it would have been a small dog, wouldn't it? And, yeah, uh, it was like, yeah. <laughs> an archie an archie not a teddy and uh 
So I, I spoke to my wife Annie about it, and I, and I said, "Look, there's a situation here, and um, and aren't we the heroes that that we uh, we actually said to Pav come and stay with us over Christmas, and we had a really nice Christmas dinner, didn't we? We and, did. Uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, some, it's something that I'll always remember. Um, I, I want you to know for all the right reasons that that's the only time I've done that in my life, and and what I mean yeah. to say by that is that it's not as if Annie and I are out looking for people to invite for Christmas dinner every year because we got no mates. You know, it was just a one-off situation where yeah. it was appropriate to do the right thing. But isn't it, isn't it ironic that it wasn't very long after that? I mean, you know, Pav's been very open about his personal circumstances and I, and I acknowledge that. And so it wasn't very long after that, that Pav couldn't be a client of Chris Barrow professionally uh, because number one, there was no business, and number two, of course, there wouldn't have been any money to pay any fees. Mm-hmm. Um, and at that point in time, I'm going to describe Pav's perception now again, which is that at that point in time, Chris Barrow stopped communicating with him. So the guy that had invited him around for Christmas dinner suddenly went radar silent. So, of course, it's not unreasonable that Pav is going to sit there and reach the conclusion that actually the only bloody reason he asked me for Christmas dinner in the first place was because he wanted to keep his fees coming in. And as soon as the fees stopped, end up. Um, so Chris Barrow ends up in Pav's arsehole box. Simple as. You went, you went there quite quickly. Yeah. <laughs> Simple. Oh, that's how it is. Okay, let's move you to this category now. Yeah, that's how it was. Um, and so the, so the communication between us came to a halt. And I think it's worth picking up the story when we re-met. Yes. Uh, which, by the way, we're talking three or four years later. Yes, about three or four years later, something like that. So for three or four years, there is zero communication between PAV and CB. And PAV's, and I've not given you my end of the story yet, let's wait for that. But PAV's perception is that there's Chris Barrow, Mr. Big Bollocks, bouncing around dentistry, doing all of his webinars and his blogs and his podcasts and turning up here and turning up there and getting on the dentistry top 50 every year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And actually, I know the truth. The truth is that he's an arsehole because he invited me for Christmas dinner and then he stopped talking to me because I wasn't paying him. So there's a perception that was in Pav's mind for three or four years. Now, and I um, think the key word there as well, Chris, is perception. Okay. Yeah. So, so if you, so as I said, that so that was just how I interpreted it. Yeah. So let's so let's bring the story forward. Uh, what one of my very long term best friends in dentistry is a fellow called Carlo Higgins, um, who I first met through Bridge to Aid. Um, and charitable support of Bridge to Aid. And, you know, many, many, many long hours of uh, time together over the years. We've become good friends. In fact, we're family friends. And, of course, Carl's career takes him to Evo Dental. And within his career at Evo Dental, he reaches out to me and he says, Chris, we'd quite like you to come along and speak at our annual conference. And I'm going, of course I will. And we're putting the whole day together and I'm going to be one of the keynote speakers on the day. 
And then it suddenly occurs to me, I'm kind of trawling through the Evo Dental website, and there's Pav Carer. And I'm thinking, well, this is going to be interesting because here's a bloke that has, for whatever reason, that let's give you Chris Barrow's perception now, by the way. Let's switch. This is the first time I'm hearing it. This is the first time I'm hearing it. So let's now switch perceptionists. I'm I'm looking at the Evo Dental website because obviously I'm preparing for myself for the gig, um, looking at who's in the team, and there's Pav's face. And I'm thinking, well, this is going to be interesting. Because this is the guy that I invited for Christmas dinner, and then I never chuffed him well heard from him after that. What an arsehole. And he took him. What an arsehole. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be interesting. So anyway, I kind of filed that one away, and we did all the prep for the day, and we ended up in uh, a hotel in Solihull. And uh, it's the Evo Dental Annual Conference, and there's all sorts of people all over the show. And I'm one of the keynote speakers. So as you would expect, I pitch up early, you know, half past seven. You want to get yourself familiar with the gig. You want to make sure the AV's working. You want to make sure everything's going to be okay. And I kind of, there's a little thing in the back of my mind going, there's going to come a point in proceedings here where you're going to bump into Pav, and it's going to be really, really interesting when you meet this arsehole to see whether or not there's any eye contact or whatever, you know. Anyway, let me tell you, listeners, I see Pav uh, across the room, and I can see he's mingling and mingling and chittering and chattering with other people. And then... He makes eye contact with me, and I swear to God, how I didn't turn into a pillar of salt, I'll never know, because he gives me he gives me a worse stink eye than how a dog gives me when I won't take it out for a walk on time. I get the total stink eye off Pavkera, and I'm standing there thinking, what have I done? <laughs> this is the arsehole that came for Christmas dinner and never said thank you. So... We then go our separate ways, and it's kind of like about 8, 8, 50, 8.30 in the morning. The conference yeah. is kicking off at 9. And, I, and you don't know this, Pav, but because we've not talked about it till now. But I'm, I'm in, standing there, and I'm thinking, I can't do this. I just can't do this. I can't go through the day, get on stage in front of 100-odd people, do Chris Barrow pantomime, and know that there's this guy sat in the audience giving me the stink eye. I just can't do it. So I'll tell you what I did, listener. I went and found him, and I found him in the breakfast room, didn't I, Pav, at the hotel? Yes. Yeah. Oh, I... And it just so happens that he was sat alone at the time, because if he'd been sat at a table full of people, frankly, I don't know what I'd done, but I got lucky. He, sat, he was sat there alone, not because nobody wanted to have breakfast with him, but just because everybody else had had the breakfast and they were on, and he was sat there. So I walked over, and I can't actually remember my exact words, but I think words to the effect of, Pav, I know there's a problem, and I think that before we go live with the conference today, we probably need to have a conversation about the problem. I think that's kind of how it started. Very close to the mark, but it it was just a quick one or two sentences, yeah. Yeah. And so Pav went first, which was absolutely fine. And he said, and I'll paraphrase it, you're an arsehole because you dumped me after Christmas. Yeah. And at, at my darkest hour, because I couldn't pay your fees, I wasn't a client anymore and you didn't want to know me. So he had his go. 
And I then had the opportunity to have my go. And I said, Pav, if you have been offended by the events of the last three or four years, then I offer, obviously, an unreserved apology. But what I think you need to understand is that after that Christmas, I got involved in a catastrophically bad business relationship, which left me declaring my own bankruptcy and put me into a period where I saw my car towed away on the back of a truck. I saw my business collapse around me. I had to move into rented accommodation and I did not have a pot to piss in for a period of time until I managed to get back on my feet again. And if during that time I was not able to give you my full attention, I apologize because I was dealing with my own personal bankruptcy. I was dealing with the ramifications of, and repercussions of that in my family. And also, of course, most importantly, the ramifications and repercussions in terms of my own psychological state. And I was busy building it back. And if I overlooked Pavkera in that process, I'd like to apologize now. And Pav said to me, and I paraphrase, I had absolutely no idea that you'd been through exactly the same shit that I'd been through in exactly the same time period. And I think, Chris, that this goes back to kind of like where, where this conversation started is, you know, it was, I mean, we missed out on a few years of friendship because I made an assumption, you made an assumption, neither of us cleared it up, and uh, it's, it soured absolutely everything. And ironically, as you said, we were going through the same thing at the same time. You know, it would, it would have probably been better if we had stayed connected and kind of like emotionally supported each other. But just because we're people, just because we're humans, that didn't happen. And, and it is incredible in, in the kind of post-COVID environment um, to be able to uh, recall these events uh, because the interesting thing is that what both of us did in our own way was to build uh, a wall of defense around ourselves to say, I'm in the shit, I'm scared, and I'm going to build a defensive wall around myself to protect me from other people. And I'm going to try, because I'm a man, I'm going to try and internalize this. I'm going to try and deal with it because I don't want the world to see me as weak. I don't want the world to see me as vulnerable. I don't want the world to see me as a failure. I don't want the world to see me as the, you know, the member of the dentistry top 50 that went bust. By the way, um, uh, there's a very, very interesting exercise that you can do, and I have done this in order to uh, not amuse myself, is to actually pull off a list of the dentistry top 50 and see if you can guess how many bankrupts or former bankrupts there are in that list. And uh, can I confidently advise you that there are an awful lot more former bankrupts in the top 50 than you perhaps would at first stage realise? Um, now, that's not intended to in any way, shape or form either justify or rationalize bankruptcy. You know, it's a it's a miserable thing to have to go through uh, for you, for your family and, of course, notably for your creditors. But nonetheless, 
we I know this is a cliche, but you know I've I've just come back from a family visit to New York, uh, and it is a cliche. But when you tell an American that you've lost your shirt in business but bounced back, you get a round of applause. Uh, when sometimes you sit in a British audience and you tell people that you've lost your shirt and bounced back, there's almost a stigma attached to it. Yeah. And uh, I've unfortunately got one or two enemies um, out there who take great pleasure uh, in occasionally posting on social media to say, how can you have a former bankrupt as a business coach? Whereas in North America, the attitude would be, if you're going to get a business coach, find yourself a former bankrupt because they'll stop you making the stupid bloody mistakes they made in the first place. And isn't it interesting, that difference in perspective, which is based on the culture? Yeah. So, there, so there's the story of Pav and CB. Yes. Uh, three or four years in the wilderness because of our own reluctance to communicate because of a sense, I believe, of perhaps even shame about yes. the circumstances that we'd found ourselves in. And I think what ends up happening is on Facebook, in the top 50, on all social media platforms, there's always this, and I will, <laughs> I will, I will use the word, there's always this, there's a veneer that everything's perfect, okay? That is, you know, you look at some people and like, oh, that you know, their business is perfect. You know, that what they do, what they do is perfect every single time. But when you speak to these people genuinely, when you get to know them, they 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 have the same issues that we do. They have the same problems we do. They have the the, the same business ups and downs as we do, because that's the nature of humans, and that's the nature of life, and that's the nature of business. And I think. Off the back of that, Chris, is it would probably be good to get your insight um, because there's all this doom and gloom in the um, uh, in the in the news at the moment. That either yeah. there's there's one or, there's one or two things that's going to get us in the next couple of weeks. Either it's the bottom's going to completely fall out of the market, or we're going to get nuked. Um, you know, so it's uh, <laughs> can you offer some sort of realistic alternative to that? Uh, yes, yes, I can. And, and uh, <clears throat> picking up on a point that you made earlier, um, the, the current recession that we are entering will be my number seven since I began full-time employment in September 1970. And it's worth just very quickly rehearsing that my first recession was 1973. It was known as the three-day week. The miners were on strike. There was no coal for the electricity power stations. The power stations couldn't generate electricity. So we went to work on a Monday morning, and at 5 o'clock on a Wednesday, they closed our offices down and sent us home until the following Monday. And um, <clears throat> the, we were in the middle of an industrial relations dispute that brought the country to its absolute knees. And the doomsayers were saying that we were all going to die, but we didn't. Uh, however, cut to the chase to 1979. I'm recently married. I've bought a semi-detached house in Heaton, Mersey, Stockport for £8,750 with a £7,500 mortgage. And my mortgage interest rate goes up to 19%. And my then wife and I are sat in the living room staring at each other like a pair of startled rabbits saying, what are we going to do? on our fixed salaries. And we thought we were gonna die, but we didn't. Uh, we carried on in fact until 1987 
when after a major storm in the southeast of England that flattened all the trees, the stock market opened on Monday. And on Black Monday 1987, the UK stock market fell by 70% in one day as a result of the fact that Mexican banks had defaulted on their loans to UK banks. And we thought we were going to die. But we didn't. We carried on until Margaret Thatcher was voted out of number 10 Downing Strait by her own Conservative Party. Funny, isn't it, how some things never change? And uh, we entered into a major recessionary economic cycle during which we all thought we were going to die, but we didn't. And we all carried on until July 2008 when the world banking system collapsed and we all thought we were going to die, but we didn't. And we carried on until the 23rd of March 2020 when Boris Johnson stayed said stay at home, and we all thought we were going to die, and sadly, some of us did, but the rest of us just soldered on through it and got through lockdown and out the other end of it, and here we are again. So I think I can be forgiven for not being particularly worried about the recessionary cycle that we're moving into, because uh, from experience, uh, by the way, um, if I'd been alive for 300 years, instead of 69, I could probably go back 300 years and tell you about all the other recessionary cycles that happened before I was born, because once you do the research, there are plenty of them. The world is cyclical, and one one of the chips on my shoulder at the moment is the use of the word crisis, because there is no such thing as a crisis. There is only a cycle. So we don't have a recruitment crisis in dentistry, we have a recruitment cycle. We don't have an economic crisis in this country, we have an economic cycle. We don't have a crisis in the goodwill valuation of dental practices, which is dropping off the edge of a cliff at the moment. We're simply entering another cycle, just as as we did in 2008 when the goodwill value of dental practices dropped by about 25% after the banking collapse. And then within 18 months, we were back to previous levels and we went beyond. So what we have to learn in our lives is how to navigate a cycle. And we are entering a recessionary cycle, a recruitment cycle, a retention cycle, a poaching and headhunting cycle, a consumer confidence cycle. The only slightly annoying thing is that it's a bit like buses. We've got a few of them and they're all coming at once. And so that means that we've just got to be on red alert in order to deal with it. But I've seen this come and go and uh, it doesn't really phase me. Um, What happens in a recessionary cycle, Pav, is that the best get better, the worst get worse, and the gap between the two gets wider. And so the question that you need to ask yourself as we enter a recessionary cycle is, what do the best look like? And let's join them. So the best practices are the ones that are delivering higher value complex dentistry to discerning affluent demographics. 
and they will thrive and prosper through the recession. And the most affluent demographic in the United Kingdom is people over the age of 55, baby boomers et al. And they consistently stay affluent through any economic cycle, partly because they're at a stage in the life where a lot of the expenses of raising a family are covered, uh, partly also because they're living and working longer than they used to, me being a case in point. Um, so people like me, we've got more money than we've ever had. We've got more time than, than we've ever had. And we've also got something that my father and grandfather didn't have, and that's an extra 25 years of life if we look after ourselves. So when I go and see my de- my own dentist, we are, the two of us know that over the next 30 years, provided I don't get hit by a truck or die of cancer, over the next 30 years, I'm probably going to spend 30,000 quid on dental implants. And I'll want to because I want to look good and feel good for as long as I possibly can in my life. And there's enough mm-hmm. people like me, there's enough people like us around to keep any business busy in a recessionary cycle. Where the, the, the problem with a recessionary cycle is that if what you're doing is ordinary dentistry for ordinary people, the chances are you're going to have to tighten your belt a bit for a, for a while. And by the way, while we're at it, most recessionary cycles last for about 18 months to three years yeah. most of the time. So you might have to tighten your belt during that period if you're just doing Radio 2 dentistry for Radio 2 people it's probably going to get a bit tight. And certainly I've got some people within my client basis that, 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 that do that. And I'm already, we're recording this at the back end of November, and I'm already beginning to hear some stories about gappy appointment books for hygiene and dental health reviews. And I'm already hearing about Invisalign treatment being deferred or delayed because Invisalign treatment is often bought by people who are recession-sensitive But what I'm also hearing is the people that are doing the high-end work are complaining to me because, by the way, nobody ever rings me up because they feel feel good. They only ever ring me up to complain. Uh, And some some people are complaining to me at the moment about waiting lists for high-value treatment, that I've got patients that need implant and restorative dentistry, that I've got patients that need smile makeovers, that I've got patients that need specialized ortho treatment, and that the waiting list to get those patients in the book is getting longer and longer because the demand for those higher value services exceeds the capacity of the dentist to deal with them. So what you do in a recession is you ask yourself two questions. The first question, which are the recession-proof demographics of patients? Because that's where you're aiming. And second question is, what type of treatment modalities are the ones that appeal to those demographics? Because that's where you're aiming. And then you get on with it, pedal to the metal with all of the marketing activity that you've been used to historically and more besides, but you're aiming it at those demographics for those treatment modalities. And that's yes. how you'll make up the difference from the Radio 2 client base. I mean, this is great stuff, Chris. And this is certainly what, what I've noticed as well. Um, I'm, as you know, throughout my career, I've constantly pushed uh, my education. And part of it, when I owned my own business, it was because I was trying to bring in more revenue streams. You know, if I learn a new skill, I bring in a new revenue stream to try and prop up this business that, 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 that was failing. 
Um, I, I do think I, 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 I found my passion, obviously, with implants. I think I'm very fortunate with that, um, simply because, yes, I have a few patients where they are deferring implants. But as you said, they tend to be, they tend to be a little bit younger. They tend to be like um, uh, uh, professionals who have lost one teeth. Is those patients who are the baby boomers, like you said, they've got the money. They still want the treatment doing. You know, yep. so it's, I think it's, it's understanding. It, it goes back to that perspective as well. In fact, there was a quote from Marcus Aurelius. Let me find it. Let, let, me, just, let me just find it, Chris, because uh, I wrote it down this morning. It's in my notes. And I thought this, this was fantastic. Okay. So Marcus Aurelius once said, our life is what our thoughts make it. Okay. So if you think to yourself, there is, there's a recession, what you're going to do is you're going to go into this mode where you're going to think to yourself, nobody's going to pay for anything. Okay, let's look for the cheap stuff. Let's look for the emergency stuff that people have to have done, you know, the fillings that need uh, causing pain. And you're, you're closing your eyes and you're closing yourself off so the other stuff that people can uh, that can, uh, that people can afford. And basically, you need to zig when other people are zagging. And this is, exactly. again, this is something that I've learned. This is something that I've learned through 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 my business because at one point I was going, oh, everybody's doing this. I need to do this as well. And if you listen to the people who, um, who invest heavily, like the Warren Buffetts, they love it when there's a recession on because they're like, we're going to buy more now because they know that it's cyclical. They know it's going to bounce. So actually it's cheaper for them to buy now. And I think yeah. this is the, you need to look at the, the 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 current situation with different optics and find out what the opportunities are and go for them. And it, so it comes down to service for other people and service for patients. Okay, you can't is is if you try to make it about money. Okay, you you can't say it's not about money entirely because otherwise your family's going to suffer. Your family won't eat. Okay, but if you make it purely about money, you start doing unethical things. That thread's going to catch up with you really quickly. But there is enough sure. ethical work out there to be done. There there are. I mean, Chris will know the figures, but the amount of implants that we do in the UK compared to the continent, it's a tiny fraction. So proportionately, the the, the population, there's much more work that that needs to be done. And, you know, uh, as I said, you need to look at the opportunities and, and corner them. Uh, I couldn't agree more. And, and um, it's very interesting. One of the exercises that I decided to uh, amuse myself with recently, um, I'd, I'd, I'd got so fed up of listening to people moaning. Um, but what I decided to do was that I was going to create a list of the top 12 reasons to be miserable in dentistry at the moment. And I what I decided, and I, I actually put this list together around about September, and I thought, right, what I'm going to do is that every time I do any public speaking or broadcasting from now on, I'm going to go through my, top, my, my list of the top 12 reasons to be miserable, and I'm going to say that at the front of my presentation so that once I've said it, nobody else can. So I'm leaving all the misery mongers with nothing to say. Now, let, let me paraphrase the list. I, I'm, I'm not going to go into it in a lot of detail because we don't have the time on this broadcast. In no particular order, number one, the NHS dental system is sinking like the Titanic. Number two, we have a, uh, and I'm going to use the moaners language here for a minute. We've got a recruitment crisis. Nobody's responding to recruitment adverts. Number three, we have a retention crisis. People are leaving dentistry to get jobs in other businesses and trades. 
Number four, we've got a poaching crisis. Corporates are paying sign-on fees to steal dentists from other, from other practices. Number five, we've got a wages crisis. All the team are knocking on your door saying, I need a pay rise because I can get paid more than this stacking shelves at Lidl's. Number six, we have a pricing crisis. If you don't put your prices up by 25% by the end of the year, you're going to have your financial pants down, but everybody's crapping themselves about telling the patients that there's a price rise in a recessionary economy. Number seven, the goodwill value of dental practices has collapsed by 12% since September, and I predict it will collapse by 25% by New Year's Eve. So all the people that thought that they were going to sell the practice in the summer for eight and a half times EBITDA are now staring down the barrel of six and a half times EBITDA and earnout terms that are worse than they've ever been in the history of earnouts. Number eight. We've got, in, and paradoxically, at the very time that goodwill values are collapsing, there are more people trying to sell the business in dentistry at any other time because they've had enough of running a business and they want to get out. Number nine, we've got an energy crisis. My energy bills at home have gone up 100%. Some of my clients in dentistry are looking at a 300% increase in energy prices. Number 10, the Bank of England is suggesting inflation might hit 18%. Number 11, consumer confidence is collapsing because of all the bad news on television. And finally, number 12, I've lost count of the number of prime ministers, chancellors and budgets that we've had since September, and I don't know which way is up anymore. So there you, you go. Might- there you go. Be my guest. Be miserable. I've given you the list. There might be stuff on there you haven't even thought of yourself. So you go and take that list and jump in the river. Uh, have you heard of the comedian Bill Burr? Uh, 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 vaguely. Okay, so he's a, he's a comedian, stand-up comedian. He he's he he is very very funny. And uh, one one thing that he constantly says is, 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 is he's like, why worry about stuff in the future? He said it might not happen. He said, isn't it isn't it better to be happy now? and deal with the crap stuff when the crap stuff comes as opposed to being miserable the entire time because I don't have time to be miserable the, the, the entire point, time. Now, for, for the sake of our listener, would you, would you like me to give you 12 reasons to be cheerful? Oh, yes. Okay, so let's do it. And again, I'm going to paraphrase and I'm going to rattle through this as fast as I possibly can. Are you ready? Number one, the intraoral scanner is the single biggest revolution in the delivery of oral health education and advice in a generation. Number two, the intraoral scanner is the best, the single best treatment generator that's ever been in- invented. Number three, training GDC registered nurses and treatment coordinators to use the intraoral scanner delivers a fantastic patient experience and it frees up time for the clinician to get on with billable work. Number four, the ITV and the BBC and the print media are doing the best marketing job they've ever done for dentistry by talking about dental deserts, lack of access, people taking teeth out with pliers and going to Turkey. And they're doing the best ever job that they ever could of encouraging people to seek out the services of an independent private dental practice. Number four, you've never had a better time to convert from NHS to private in the middle of those dental deserts, and you've never had a better time to invite your patients to join a dental plan in the middle of those dental deserts. It's never been better. Number five, 
and I'll repeat something that I said earlier, I've done six recessions and the sale of complex dentistry remains robust. Number six, collecting Google reviews from your patients is a brilliant way to improve your organic search ranking without having to pay anybody for search engine optimization. Number seven, the GDC scope of practice for dental therapists opens up a whole new world in the provision of preventative maintenance, and it makes preventative maintenance profitable, and it makes it, and it also creates a situation where principals can stop doing checkups and they can focus on the high value treatment, which leads us on beautifully to number eight, which is that the ability to grow therapy led and associate led businesses frees the principals from the shackles of a performance related earnout, which leads us on to number nine. Social media is God's gift to the independent dental practice because it allows you to reach more people with your message than ever before free of charge if it's used responsibly. Number 10, the more corporates there are, the better because the more pressure there is to introduce PAYE salaried clinicians. And my prediction is that within 10 years, hygienist therapists and associates will be on payroll. But there's another in number 11, which is dental corporates are almost always universally crap at marketing. And so every time another practice in your postcode sells to a corporate, it's one less competitor in the marketplace. And it opens up the doors for you to do the right type of marketing, the type of marketing that attracts the right type of patients. That was 11. Number 12, I've already said it. In 2008, the goodwill value of practices went down by 25% almost overnight. It was back at its previous level within 18 months. And that's what will happen again. And I'm going to add a bonus, number 13. All right. I went to the Align Growth Summit in Dubrovnik in May this year. I was invited along as a speaker, which was absolutely lovely. But I also took the opportunity of sitting in the room for two days and listening to all the other speakers uh, that were on stage for Align, including, I will say notably, as a keynote speaker on the last day, Christian Coachman. And I came away from that Align Growth Summit more excited about the future for independent private practitioners. And I've got to say, I came away from that Dubrovnik meeting more excited about my own future as an advisor to the profession than I think I have ever been. And before we came on this afternoon, Pav, I had a meeting with my support team, Philippa and Rachel. We meet twice a week on Zoom. And I jumped on the meeting at 12 o'clock and Philippa, my business manager, was there. And she said, you look happy. And I said, you know what, Philippa? I genuinely cannot remember a time when I've been happier in my life. I've got a great business. I've got a great team. I've got great clients. I've got fantastic friends in dentistry. I'm very blessed that I've got a great family and I'm in pretty good shape myself. What's not to like? That's fantastic. And it just goes back to perception, right? It's... And you know the way that the way that I see myself is because um, obviously my life from where it was a few years ago is a complete one hundred and eighty. 
You know, I've got the, the, an amazing wife that I get on with. We have such a laugh. You know, everything is, you know, people say when you find the right person, you'll just click and everything will be perfect. That, that's kind of like how it is for us. I've got an amazing two-year-old daughter. I'm very, very fortunate to have landed on my feet with, uh, uh, with being employed uh, at Evo Dental. And in fact, I got that job whilst uh, we were in lockdown. So whilst everybody was like panicking during lockdown, I was like, okay, this is the opportunity that comes up. And I thought I was doing okay with implants prior to that. I had my my master's degree. But there's a difference between having the theoretical knowledge and doing a, a reasonable number of implants versus just being thrown in and going, you know what, you're placing 10 implants a day because your skills uh, go up very, very quickly. And uh, off off the back of that, it's it's just kind of like you know it's it, it's all I said it all, all comes down to perception. It's I am still busy because I, I work part time at Evo, part time externally, and externally even doing single implants, I'm still really really busy. And yeah. it, it goes back to that thing that you know baby boomers they, they can't afford it. You know I, I I get baby boomers that come in and t- turn around and say to me. Um, uh, Either they have no qualms with regards to fees just because, as you said, they don't have any outgoing, so they've got the disposable income. Like, I've got three teeth missing. Is I'm fed up of this denture. Can you can you do dental implants for me? Or they'll turn around and say, can I have dental implants because I've had an argument with my kids and I don't want them to have the inheritance. I'd rather spend it on myself. You know, there's always, there is plenty of business out there. Um, we just need to uh, uh, be open to, 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 to seeing it. And what I would say is there's very much a progression, right? It's when we graduate from university, we can only do the absolute basics, if that. And over a period of time is our skills expand and expand. But what you have to do is you have to put in the work and the hard effort to learn these new skills. Otherwise, your income is always going to be limited by what you can, what you what you know and what you can do. And as I said, is over the years, I you know I've studied so hard, and I've I've, I've said on a number of occasions, I I've put about two hundred and fifty thousand pounds of my own money into my education. That's a lot, but I'm reaping the benefit from it now. Because I don't have to do fillings. I don't have to do root treatments. I don't have to do fissure sealants or anything along those lines. You know, I just place implants now and I restore implants. That's it. Um, And so I would encourage uh, anybody. It's, you know, obviously listening to the dental implant podcast is people probably interested in implants. If you're placing singles, okay, great. Time to up your game. Let's start placing immediates. Why should you place immediates? Less chair time, happier patients, because you can do it in a shorter time frame. Can you do that? But, you know, you, you don't do sinus lifting. Well, you're not. Now it's time to learn sinus lifting. Yeah. You know, it's, um, you, know, is if you, you know, if you can do all of that, but you haven't added sedation into the, in, in, into the mix yet, go learn sedation. It's a fantastic bolt on. You know, patients will come to you. For me, it's just it's a dental implant be done in 10 minutes. For the patient, it's like, he's putting a screw into my head. And if you turn around and say to him, you know what, we can... Hike you up on goofy juice. You won't remember any of it. They'll like, how much is that going to cost? And you tell them it's an extra two, three hundred pounds. They'll go, well, fine, let's do it. You know, yeah. it's, we yeah. need to look at the opportunities in front of us. I, I also, I think uh, one of the things I, I would say that that um, uh, to you know that that there may be people listening to this podcast who are going through their own difficult cycle. And, you know, Pav and I have both shared with you that, that we simultaneously, there's an old expression, and I've used this for 
literally decades, uh, that life is a series of mountains, valleys, and missiles. And <clears throat> the mountains are the moments when you feel like you're on top of the world. Uh, the valleys are the moments when it all just feels black. And the missiles, uh, well, you know, just, just when it's all going well, <laughs> bang, something goes off, something changes, and it all comes bloody crumbling down, and you have to deal with it. And, you know, every single one of us um, has got that sequence of mountains, valleys, and missiles that we've dealt with through our lives, both personally and professionally. And Pav and I have shared a couple of those valleys with you today. But if there's anybody listening to this podcast who is in their valley, if there's anybody listening to this podcast who has just been hit by a missile, then the message I want to share with you is hang on in there. Uh, it's a cycle. You will come through it. Bankruptcy is a cycle. You bounce back higher. Uh, 100%. Missile, a missile is a cycle. You'll bounce back higher. The, the, the Native Americans have a wonderful phrase, wisdom enters through the wound. And so if you want some advice, go and find the most wounded elder in the village because they'll be the person best able to help you. And uh, yeah. Pav and I have our wounds and we've yes. become wiser as a result of it. So if you're out there and if it's darkness or if you're out there and there's anxiety and uncertainty, hang on in there. But my second message is this, which is don't make the mistake that Pav and I made, which is to stop talking to other people. Yeah. Don't make that mistake. Reach out, share your story, share your frailty, share your vulnerability, share your anxieties, because one other thing that I have discovered is that dentistry is the most magnificent community in being able to help in an environment like that. And uh, through the work I do, uh, I, I've had the opportunity over the years to work with a lot of people who have had their valleys and missiles to deal with. But I've also realized that it's not just paid for consultants um, who, who are prepared to stop and listen and help and advise. We've discovered post-COVID, haven't we, through things like WhatsApp groups and other social media forums and the sterling work that's done by some of the mental health charities in dentistry like Confidential and others. There is huge, huge resources there uh, of other practitioners, people just like you, who may well have been through the same valleys and missiles and who are prepared to reach down and, and give you a helping hand up. And it's just a shame um, that Pav and I made the mistake of not talking to each other during that yeah. period because I, I, I could imagine that we, we wouldn't have been sitting there crying over our bloody sorrows. We probably would have punched each other in the face and said, come on, let's yeah. bounce back and do something. And, and life is a great thing because life through Pav and I back together in a hotel in Solihull earlier this year. And fortunately, we didn't throw crockery at each other. Uh, Just one fortunately, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> fortunately, what we did is we sat down as a couple of mature adults and said, this can't be right. And we worked out a solution to it. And, so, and the solution yeah. was nothing other than understanding each other. 
Yeah. So Chris, just circling back to that as well, so that you so you, you have the full conclusion to kind of like my perception of what everything was going on as well, is when as at that point of breakdown, I was just kind of like, okay, if that's how it is, I'm just I'm just not not gonna bother with the guy anymore. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, and then what ended up happening is I felt that I'd I'd let go of the anger, but I was just like, well, I'd, you know, is, if that's how it is, there's no connection that I'm not going to bother. But then what happened is when you came down and you sat down next to me, you explained what had been happening in your life. Firstly, that immediately made me empathize with you because I'd gone through the exact same thing. But secondly, cool. when you said you were sorry, I knew that you genuinely meant it. And then as as you said, as a mature adult, you know, you, is, if somebody genuinely apologizes, you're supposed to, you know, you don't always have to, depending on what happened, but, you know, is that was a genuine apology. And I was like, well, actually, you know what, I can take that. And what's, the, you know, what's the point in, you know, if there's been a genuine apology made, and I'm saying that I, uh, that I, uh, uh, that I've accepted that apology, then we move forward from that. And, you know, that's, that's what led, what, what led us to here. So, you know, it's, as Chris was saying, please reach out if you are struggling. Hang on in there. It, it does get easier, but you can't just wallow in it as well. You have to take active steps forward. Whatever those steps are, I don't know. Uh, but that's that's sometimes why reaching out is a good thing because other people will will will, will, will give you perspective on that. And um, Chris, could you just because I know you've got a blog, and if if anybody wants to know more about you, I mean, reading your blog is great as well. Could you just tell them a little bit about where they can find more information about you? Uh, it couldn't be any easier. Um, Coach Barrow, C-O-A-C-H-B-A-R-R-O-W, coachbarrow.com um, is the website. And on the website, you can discover an awful lot more about uh, me, about the work that I do. And you can also actually, and I think this is the most important thing, uh, you can click down and you can read testimonials from all the dentists that I've worked with. Some of them are video testimonials. Some of them are written testimonials. Some of them are Google reviews. I'm very proud of my 185 five-star Google reviews from dentistry. And uh, learn don't, don't listen to me give you a sales pitch on my website. Go and look at the the client testimonials, uh, look at other practitioners that I've worked with over the years on business development, on personal development. And uh, as I said, I, I, I've recently announced my retirement date. It's the 9th of September, 2053. Uh, that's my 100th birthday. I intend to stop work, uh, but anytime in the next 30 years and 10 months uh, that you're looking for some help, either to start a business or to scale a business, or for that matter, to sell a business, um, I'd be delighted to offer you uh, a complimentary Zoom call in order to listen to your story. Fantastic. Now, Chris said that wasn't a sales pitch. I am going to do a sales pitch, which is for, which is for myself. Um, so a lot of my mentors over the years, they were actually taught by Prof. Branamark himself. And one of the philosophies of Prof. Branamark is to give your knowledge back to the next generation to teach. He said that's the only way that that the profession will 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 truly gain. And that's the only way that the field of implantology will truly expand as well. And um, I've mentioned this before, uh, I'm setting up uh, uh, the Academy of Implant Excellence. Uh, and you can the, the the landing page is now live, academyofimplantexcellence.com. Uh, you know, take a look at it. It's 
it's it's comprehensive. I'm trying to give as much of my knowledge as I possibly can because I love teaching, and there's more than enough business uh, for everybody. And uh, there is a launch offer at the moment, and you know, it, call it what you call it what you want. Recession busting, inflation busting. It's never going to be at a cheaper price. Whatever you want, it's it, you know, it's. But I'm 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 here to teach. And if you wanted to know more about it, and you wanted to a Zoom call with me as well. I want to make sure that it's the right thing for you. So if you want to arrange a, a Zoom call with me, we can chat, we can kind of like figure out whereabouts you are in your career and we can take it to the next level because then then all patients gain. And um, and then, you know, if you've got stronger skills in the next recession cycle, it's, it's, it's going to hit you less. That's, you know, that's that's my philosophy. So that's a, that's an unashamed plug, but because it's my podcast, I think I'm allowed to do that. So. <laughs> Oh, Chris, it's been great. It's been absolutely fantastic. So it's, uh, um, I think uh, after we reconnected at the hotel last, uh, uh, last time, it's, I sent Chris a couple of uh, documentaries, which I think he's been so busy he hasn't had time to watch yet. So I'm looking forward um, to getting your feedback on them once you finally get to watch them because they are super. I get it. I think it's going to be Christmas week uh, that I'll, I'll probably get to watch them because, uh, because I'm very blessed to be busy. But thank you nonetheless. <laughs> No, but I mean, I'm really into documentaries and the two that I've sent Chris, it's, um, it's one guy called Ed Stafford where he documents his trek and he walks the entire length of the Amazon from, from the source in the Andes all the way over to the Atlantic. And it's just this guy's mindset. Chris, you'll appreciate it because of, uh, because of that survivor thing that he did with, with Bear Grylls. It's, yeah. it, it's, it's like that, but but juiced on another level. And the other one uh, was um, you were talking about a book by Alice Roberts and uh, Dr. Alice Roberts. Uh, she's an archaeologist or anthropologist, one or the other. Uh, archaeologist. Archaeologist. She did an amazing series called The Incredible Human Journey. And it's kind of like how the entire population expanded out of Africa. And that's, that, that's another fantastic one. So again, let me know uh, when, you, uh, when you get a chance to do that. And I watched uh, one last night. Watch one last night. It's on Amazon Prime, I think, and it's called Goodnight Opie, which is the the story of uh, Opportunity, the Mars Land Rover, and it's about an hour and a half long. Ah, oh, it's such a fantastic documentary. So for those, those of you listening, if you like that type of stuff, definitely watch that one as well. <laughs> it's on the watch list. Good. <laughs> Thank you very much uh, for those listening. Um, I'm, I know it's been a longer podcast today, just over an hour. Um, so, and thank you, Chris, very much for your time today. Hopefully you've uh, given some inspiration to those listening as well. And uh, it's been fantastic chatting to you. Thank you for asking me, Pav. And uh, of course, it would be churlish of me not to say that if we don't get to speak again, have an amazing Christmas. And you, mate. <laughs> okay. Bye, everybody.